podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. On the Front Burner puts two no-nonsense culinary professionals on air discussing tough industry topics, interviewing fascinating food personalities, and providing penetrating looks at the industry that we love. We don't always agree and often provide compelling personal insights from a unique combination of life experiences. You know, it's a lively give and take. It's by no means conventional. Elaine owns Sweet Cheeks Baking Company and is a winner of the Food Network's Cupcake Wars and Fabulous Cakes. A seasoned industry professional, she is a cake designer and a certified sommelier. Don is a chef, an award-winning journalist, and a culinary educator. Together we take a not-always-pretty, sometimes-funny, and always-entertaining look at the world of food and beverage. Hello and welcome to On the Front Burner. I'm Don Williamson. And I'm Elaine Ordizzoni. And we're going to talk about beef today. Mm. We're going to talk about the industry. We're going to talk about changes that are going on in the industry. And in order to do that, we've brought a beef aficionado in to be with us today. But before we get to that, I want to remind you, if you're listening to the early part of this broadcast, if it's not September 16th yet, there is an unbelievable event taking place September 16th at the French Gourmet in Pacific Beach. We are going to honor Chef Michel Malico and, and his 40 years in business in that location. If you're interested in going, it's an unbelievable menu, an unbelievable wine tasting. We're going to be sharing $100 bottles of wine. And go to sdchefs.org, get your ticket, September 16th. Now back to beef, and a little later we're going to talk about our own Elaine, who has been on a fantastic Italian wine cruise teaching about wine, but that's later. Now we want to talk about beef. Beef is a um, 25 uh, billion pounds of meat are done annually. It's a $200 billion industry. When you think about what that might mean Disneyland sold 4 million hamburgers last year. Unbelievable. So regardless of what you think or how you feel or how that works, it's a major, major part of of um, the economy in our industry. That's and not even talking about, sorry, the beef hot dogs. Don't forget the corn dogs. All right. Also, I won't. All, all beef corn dogs. All right. Well, when <laughs> we talk bacon. about... Beef hot dogs and beef bacon and and beef, period. We've got Eric Brandt here from Brandt Beef, a family that goes back forever, it seems like, at least to the early 1900s. And welcome today, Eric. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. You know, it's funny. I actually, on menus in San Diego, the only name I ever have thought about with beef in San Diego is Brandt Beef. Well, it's great. So that's good. Obviously, you're doing something right. Well, we try. A lot of, thing, a lot of yeah. things right. <laughs> right. As long so, as we do more things right than wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Isn't that the goal for yeah. all of us? Yeah. <laughs> so, Eric, I know that, as I said, you and your family have been involved in the industry since the early 1900s. But for people that have been hiding under a rock and don't know about you, tell us a little bit about Brant Beef, about the startup, about your background growing up in that industry. Yeah, thank you. Well, 
I'm third generation here in California. My my great grandfather and grandfather moved out uh, from Iowa, and then my mom's side was on the dairy side. Uh, came over from Holland. So um, yeah, we've been you know doing it since the early 1900s. Uh, you know, officially you know raising cattle, just cattle by itself. Uh, since 1945, the farming started a little bit earlier, but. Yeah, we're in the Imperial Valley, two hours east of here in San Diego, and been doing it a long time. In in the early 90s, my dad started raising cattle natural, hormone-free, and they would end up in going into Whole Foods. This was back at the start, before yeah. most people knew what natural was. You right. know. What motivated that change at that early time? You know, it it was it just created a better product, you know, and when you when you're raising cattle your whole life, you always want to, everybody, every, every buddy raising animals or livestock really, you know, it's a passion. It's not just, it's not just, uh, you know, a profession. It's, you know, you're out there with the cattle all the time. And, you know, when you have an opportunity to do something better, it's not necessarily, and back then it was very expensive to, you know, still Imagine, expensive, yeah. but you, you're really bucking the trend back then, you know, right. Um, there was just really us and, uh, Neiman Ranch um, and a handful of others that were going down that road where the market really didn't even care what it was, right? And yeah. you kind of had to just pave a path, and you know, so that's what ultimately. So we used to not rate brand beef was not a brand back then. We were raising cattle for, you know, for you know, go into other other brand names. Right, you were basically just a wholesaler. Right, yeah. and. You know, so it wasn't until after I got out of college and came back and, you know, I was like, hey, you know, why don't we just, why don't we create our own brand? Right. And so my fiance at the time, my wife now, um, she helped me design the logo and because I always thought the beef should be like wine. You know? Yeah, why not? Why not? So you'd go in and you'd see these, you know, fancy bottles of wine, but, you know, back then it was just jug wine, right? So. As far as in how beef was sold, so that's why our logo is a circle logo, and the whole the whole idea of it is the top of a wine bottle and the logo, you know, in you know, embossed in wax. Huh. So that's where cool. it's to, kind of to remind ourselves all the time that hey, you know, this is this is Mother Nature. This is different. You know, every just like every wine has a different you know characteristics. There's Pinots, there's Cabs, there's Merlots, and they're all different. They're all from different, you know. Certain regions have certain varieties sure. that grow better. Yeah, so, different soil, different temperature, different climate, right? Absolutely. So that's where, you know, I think one of the things that we've done is we stick to what we know. We do it very well. We, we're committed to it. We don't change. Um, and, you know, call us the, you know, the Napa of, of our variety or the, you know, the Paso Robles or the Walla Walla Valley, whatever we are, right? right? It's consistent all the time. And you're, that's where I think you're kind of your own appellation, you would say. Yeah. And I think the thing about having your name on it, just like with a winery label or producer, you know, is people can trust it. Right. They know if it's brand beef, it's going to come with a certain level of standards and you know that it will be hormone free. Now, is that still the case? Yeah. Right? I mean, to assume. Yeah. And then a um, couple of quick questions. Do you what do you feed your cattle? Is this something that you've figured out? Yeah, so we're we're extremely consistent. We're you know we're not organic, uh, where you have to feed organic feed, right. um, but we are natural, hormone free, antibiotic free, and the in the in the feed is a mixture of 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 
roughage that we my brother grows all the roughage so all the alfalfa sedan grass which is gets to be about seven feet tall bermuda grass it's common bermuda so it gets to be about a foot and a half tall so we mix all these different grasses with steam flake corn um that comes from the midwest and it's a perfect balanced mixture diet that Mm -hmm. doesn't allow that you know so you hear about I've heard about corn is no bueno for cows. Yeah, but I I disagree with that. I mean, it, it's a it's 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 a vegetable, right? I mean, it's a, these are vegetarian fed cattle that have you know it's a complete balanced nutrition, and that's what gives the flavor, the consistency, the quality level in the meat. And you know, most of our meat goes into real high end restaurants. You know, quite frankly, in yeah. little pockets all over the country, and in some high end restaurants in Hong Kong and Singapore. And we're we're a family company, but it's just. We hit a certain market that wants extremely high quality but that knows that it's raised correctly and by a family. And that's one thing that's very different about us um, is – and we'll probably get into that in the one world beef questions that I'm sure are going to come. But brand beef is – if it goes into a brand beef box, we raised it. So we're not buying other people's cattle or, you know – it's it's not a branding it's not a marketing thing right it's, you raise it from the start and yeah. you know what it ate and you yeah Cause so you got, have trust in it yeah right because right. you've got two things one is you talk about being a hundred percent source verified beef that sounds impressive what does it mean <laughs> uh, well it's it means good. we raised it <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's like a state a state grown yeah state, i mean yeah. you can follow that I, yeah. back from a piece of meat all the way back to the cow and the cow's family. That's that's correct. Mm-hmm. And we use so we use our our cattle all come from the the dairy industry, right? So in California, I mean that's another thing. We're 100 percent California born, raised, and processed. So um, in and you ask about sustainability, you know it's it we're taking it, uh, the male animal from from the dairy industry that you know to get milk cheese yogurt, all those, you know, dairy products, mother nature has a 50, 50 chance of a male or a female, you know, now there's, of course, you can get into sex semen and all those things that we don't, we don't go down that road, but you have a 50, 50 chance of a male or female. So we take all the males that come from the dairy side and turn it, we've figured out how to raise them natural hormone free for beef production. So do the, any of the females get used to beef? But I don't mean to ask a strange question, but obviously they're able to produce milk, assuming there's a male around for a little while. Yeah, they most females go towards milk production on, okay. in the dairy side. So and then so afterwards they end facility. up in you know afterwards the the the, the dairy cow that once that she's you know done milking you know right. typically will you know make it into some hamburger somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the other term was vertically integrated farming. What does that mean? That just means that we're, you know, we're raising the cattle, we're processing the cattle, we're selling the cattle. So it's it's just a big word that, you know. And it wasn't always that way, or at least because I know when I first uh, came in contact with you and Brant, you had the cattle in Brawley, you had... Uh, the processing in Pico, there was a, there wasn't the cattle drive down the I five, but at least there was some transportation <laughs> going on. Right. So tell me about that and how that's changed. Yeah, well, we've been very blessed that. Uh, so yeah, you know, and the, and the industry's changed a lot, and you know, there used to be, 
a couple uh, harvesting facilities right here in San Diego. Oh, I heard about there that. There was Cuyamaca, yeah. CNM. And they've Colonia. all closed, right? They've all closed, right? And So there's nothing local. Yeah, and so most all of the the slaughter facilities, even local butchers, you know, shops that used to have like meat locker service, you know, it's it's tough for them. It's tough for all of us to compete. You know, most of that moved back to the Midwest, and you know, a lot of these couldn't these companies couldn't compete um, with the majors, and you know, um, it's good for consumers because you know you get more inexpensive, you know, meat on the table, but it also has kind of made it harder for you know. Farmers, cattle ranchers to get their cattle processed because there's not very many processing plants right. left. So I used to take our cattle um, and take them to a, a processing facility in Los Angeles. And then we ended up having to move to another processing plant. So we didn't own our processing plant. So we were right. not vertically integrated. Um, and we were taking our cattle to other plants to have them process and get our meat back. But as a winemaker, as using that analogy, it's kind of like taking your your grapes. Like right? you did, you spent yeah. all this year growing these grapes, and you take them to the place, and eh, don't quite make the wine exactly how you want it done. Right, right? co-packer, co-packer, yeah, does a pretty good job. Yep. But so fortunately, three years ago, my wife and I were able to purchase a shuttered uh, beef processing plant that one of the big four national beef had owned in our hometown, wow. and. We were able to, you know, essentially take a, you know, a, a, a Budweiser facility, if you will, and turn it into a craft brewery. That's awesome. Hmm. So now, now we are not only processing our cattle, we're processing. I always told myself, if I ever had the chance to buy or build a plant, I was going to, it shouldn't have to be this difficult, right? Right. And so, and that's what we did. So we opened it up and now we process not only for ourselves, we process on a toll, on a transparent toll processing basis. We process for uh, American Wagyu companies that need a home to process their cattle. We process for organic uh, grass-fed programs, grass-fed programs. We got a carrot program. Got, so we got all sorts of different companies that we're processing for, and we've made it. We've there's there's probably nothing that we won't do. Like as as difficult as something a request comes in, I don't, I don't think we've turned anything down. We've figured out how to do it and. You know, it's a state-of-the-art facility with all the food safety bells and whistles. Temple Granded designed the old, the oh, whole wow. animal handling yeah. area. Mm-hmm. She's so interesting. She, I was such a ha- fan of hers. Um, yeah. She's she's amazing. Um, she's really helped the industry a lot. And so this was her design. So she she designed the whole animal handling area, and and she's. She's, if anyone's never seen that, there's a special on Temple Grandin, and she she's autistic, right? Yeah, and yeah. had that sensibility to the animals to know not to have mirrors in certain places because it freaked them out, and to keep them calm shadows as best as possible. Yeah, the shadows. The so it's it is. I don't remember and, what the story is called, but it's very interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a great. You could I think yeah. it's an HBO special. Yeah. Um, so yeah. she yeah she's she's and I th- I would say you know she has helped the industry. At, tremendously most cattle people that are really good animal handlers instinctively kind of knew what she said but she 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 put it in writing she she proved those things that you you know yeah. you think of how to handle it and you do right. it right and so for the industry she's just been absolutely amazing and she's she's a good friend so that's good i mean for, it's let's be honest i think most people uh, love animals to some degree yeah. And most people don't like the idea of what they're eating to have been a young, cute animal. Now it is now, you know, slaughtered. Yep. So no, anything definitely. you can do to make it more 
a bearable to us as humans or bearable certainly to the animal pain wise or fear wise or whatever, I think is just 100%. a huge deal. Yeah. No, and I think yeah. on that note, you know, when we restarted the facility, it took a while, it took about, you know, it took, it was a big undertaking to take that facility and mm-hmm. bring it back to life. But how long has it been now that you've had it? Uh, we're just about to go on to three years. Wow. So we started. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's a huge deal. And we have an amazing team down there. I mean, I, I tell you, like I just blast every day. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've Good got team an is everything. Team. Yeah. Right? And, and, uh, you know, we've, we have one core value down there that kind of falls right in line with temples, you know, um, temples teachings, but it's one word and it's, it's pretty awesome because when the, where the cattle walk in and temple Grandin's, you know, like animal handling area, there's one word when the cattle walk in and the team surprised me with it. And it's a big, huge sign. It says one word respect. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. our core value and respect for each other as human beings. Yeah. Respect for the animals we're sacrificing. Yeah our customers and the environment. And so we, we live that every day. That's great. Great. Yeah. great. That's really good to hear. And beyond opening the plant in Brawley and being vertically integrated, there have been some other changes in terms of something called One World Beef. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. So because we wanted to maintain that you know, transparency on – what each brand is, we didn't want to wash out, you know, Brant beef. That's its own, that's its own bottle of wine, if you will. Right. Um, so one world beef is allows all the other processors that we're processing for to have their own independence. Um, you know, we're not trying to be their brand. We're just there to process for them respectfully and, and do the best job we can. Um, you know, in providing those services. So One World Beef is basically, you know, there's One World Beef Packers, which is the processing facility, and then One World Beef is the sales and marketing agent that has various brands that we process. Do you sell for them too? There are some that we do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, and, and we just charge a nominal pr- uh, fee. Right. So they so get to the see where team. the meat's going. They get to see who's buying it, what they're paying, and yeah. they get to make the decision. So it's very, very unique. Um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun because I think it, it brings that transparency from the producer to the end user that I think we all want, right? We all want to know where our food's coming from. And I think, you know, whether it's brand beef or we have another brand Imperial Valley ranches, which is kind of a collection of, of different ranchers in the Imperial Valley also raising natural hormone free beef. So we essentially allowed to create our own competition. It's all about transparency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have actually have an operation here. Well, I wanted to say here in San Diego, but you have, an, you have offices in Del Mar, right? Uh, yeah, that's our – well, it's hard to get a, it's hard to get a finance team to want to move to Brawley, California. Oh, how funny. Can you so, imagine if you had a slaughterhouse in Del Mar? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, – if, if for, the, for, for my finance team that's listening – this one's for you. Right? No, that no, they are amazing. Um, but you know, it takes a lot to to compete against uh, you know these majors, and we you know so you got to have a you got to have a really highly talented, sophisticated you know team. So that's where our corporate office is here in uh, San Diego, and um, right there in Solana Beach, across from uh, from Del Mar uh, Fairgrounds. Nice. Um, so it, it's worked out very well, and. We've got a just an amazing team, both you know, corporate wise and you know, down in the 
down at the processing plant where really all it all happens. By the way, I, I don't think we've even pointed out the fact that he just brought this enormous selection of beef jerkies in today that I have not seen one handed over to me to try it. Well, he did. <laughs> and anybody that wants to come by and get some, we've got it right here for you. That's a fun new – we're having a lot of fun with that. That's a, a new brand called Baja Jerky. and Yeah, it's a great um, label too. It, it is so fun. It's all it's, – it's fun flavors and – you know, whether it's a salsa fresca or lime and serrano, yeah. you know, there's that a, ch- the churro is, is, is a crowd favorite on like kids. It's 10 grams of protein, but it's, you know, it tastes like a sure churro. It's sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Baja, Baja jerky is, is a lot of fun and uh, we're, we're real excited about that. Cool. It's all natural hormone free beef and, you know, gluten free, no MSG. Yeah, so it it's, mm-hmm. it's it fun though. Neat. You talked a little bit about competing against the majors. I think competition is another question in terms of the industry now. Can you talk a little bit about how this plant-based push, uh, as well as the whole concept or idea of growing meat in a lab, how that impacts you or how you're looking at it or how you're preparing for that? Well, you know, I think there, look, there's a place for everything, you know, and I, I think it's, I think it's great to have, you know, uh, you know, good competition. I, I do think that there's no better source of protein than what mother nature has already created. Right. I mean, you know, you know, these animals are on this, you know, planet and have a, a amazing amount of nutrition from all the micronutrients, you know, not just protein. Um, you know, beef is just loaded with, with, you know, nutrition. Um, but, you know, for what it's worth, there's, there's a lot more people growing in this world and we've got a lot more people to, to, to have to think about feeding and, you know, the protein demand. So I think it's good. I, I have no, no qualms about, uh, you know, the plant-based proteins, I think uh, it'll help provide nutrition for, for people. And now, I think that's what... The, the lab-grown um, is actually not plant-based, I think. Isn't it stem cells? No, right. That's yeah, stem it's cells. actually stem cells. So yeah. it's actual animal product that will be very curious when right. we start seeing it. I, I know that it's been... Um, it's kind of a... I mean, obviously, it's a very big topic, but the whole... I was listening to some random podcasts and read some recent articles about some of the companies like impossible burger and the is pat brown i think is the guy's name pete brown pat brown i can't remember i shouldn't even say that i should raise my hand i mean the lab grown one kind of it, that one kind of freaks me out a little bit i just i don't know but uh, you know i'm i haven't tried it so i can't i can't speak for it but i i just think that if people don't want to eat meat like the the thought of eating lab grown meat might be even weirder like uh, I, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Getting your head around that. The um, to me, the issue is it's pro and con, and I think there's a lot. Just like with everything, you know, the the plant based people will say, "Oh, animal manufacturing is the worst thing that we can do to our environment." But then you hear the stories about what GMO does to our environment, and all these plant based are GMO product. They're all GMO soybean. All these things that yeah. you also hear are terrible. Kind for of our contradicts, I think, a little bit. Right. So then the but. question is, with a lot of our beef and pigs, and it sounds like yours isn't the scenario so much, but a lot of them are being fed the GMO soy. So you're having it one way or the other, and you're, I mean, it's just, there's so much back and forth with that. You can't help but wonder what's really the answer. And as much as anyone wants to do something good, 
those people also are looking to make money and they are already a $2 billion industry and they're three years old or seven years old, right. actual. And you kind of like, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a lot to unpack there. I do think, I think that's the way, that's the way to say it. It's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I think the processing is an issue because you hear about the amount of processing in some soy products is horrendous. That's the thing. So you always wonder, like, Mm -hmm. who's, it's always nice to talk to somebody in an industry, like talking to you is neat because you're seeing your side, at least your world of brand beef and, and, your side of the industry and how you guys handle your animals, how you handle your land, what you feed them, how they're treated, how they're slaughtered. And then there may be other companies that are very different in the way they handle things. I don't know, but it's really like, what's, what's really happening They're, Everyone's writing different yeah. articles and they all have an agenda. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to talk to the source and the people are actually doing the work, and see exactly what's happening. And I think real answers are going to come out down the line because we don't know impacts and how things are going to happen. One of the things I wonder in relation to this is just land, the amount of land required to be able to raise cattle or and feed them and maintain them. Is that a concern or an issue, and how do you address that? I, You know, I don't necessarily think that's an issue because— Look, we've been, we all, I think the cattle feeders in general, we've all been doing it for so many, so many, uh, you know, years and generations. And I I think that the industry has gotten a bad stigma, you know, for, you know, I think with the development of social media and, you know, smartphones and everything, everybody's an expert now, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Isn't that You know, it's, it's, you know. I, I I just urge people to to get involved and actually start you know raising cattle before they start going and you know or animals pigs hogs you know in general you know that it's it's you know people's demand for you know cheap food right that really kind of spurred into the development of how to how to you know develop all these technologies to right. you know make meat. Faster, cheaper, right? Well, so, or corn or soybeans, all right. those things that they're trying to figure out how to mass produce it. So, you know, I, look, again, I, I, I think the in general, the industry is it's, – it's a beautiful industry. I think a lot of people are not fully knowledgeable of it and how it's gotten to where it is and, you know. But I think there's – look, it's – at the end of the day, you know, it, I think what we – and I'd say the majority of producers out there are trying to raise product and produce a great product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my grandfather's old rule, take care of the animals and the animals will take care of you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I would say that the industry in general does that. So it's, 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 it, it is a beautiful industry. It's a lot of work, you know, um, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, it's it's ongoing 365 days a year. Yeah, of okay. course. Right? Okay, looking course. forward, what do you see as your biggest challenge in the next five years, in the next eight years? What do you see as the biggest challenge facing you in the industry? Well, that's, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, we, we live it every day. I'd, I'd say 80, 80% of the, at least the beef market is, you know, controlled by about four four players yeah. uh, if not 85% which I love I'm a capitalist I love competition 
right? Um, but you're not one of those four players, is my, is my guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're, we, we remain a gnat on the, uh, the, the back end of a steer. <laughs> Which is amazing considering Which, you have a 300,000 square foot facility. Yeah. I know yeah. the feeling of being, I am a total gnat. I look, I own a bakery, and here we are. It's like you got Nabisco's and Sarah Lee's, right. and, and those are, you know, not even the other big guys. So, you know, I. I, I don't look at anything as a challenge. Quite frankly, I look at things as opportunities. And I think as we can just connect more with, with people um, and, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a, I, I, I look at where we're at as an enormous opportunity, not, a, not as a challenge, because I think that people want to know where their food's coming from. They want to be able to connect with the producer. And that, that's who we are. So it, yeah. it keeps it pretty simple. Yeah. I actually think in the future, the I would think that the bigger guys, if there is a lot of momentum with the plant-based or lab-grown meats, I feel like the smaller people, the smaller, more boutique companies like yours, Brandt will actually, I think, survive more than the big guys because you aren't the ones getting as much of the stigma, I don't think, publicly. I think yeah. it's the bigger players who are. And I feel like if anyone's going to suffer, it's going to be them. And people will still then trust the smaller players like you. That's just the way I would imagine. But I am a believer in small family-owned company because yeah. I feel like there's more – you have more um, tangibility on your product. You know what's happening. You're a little more in touch. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that. I hope that proves to be the case. I, I, but, you, I mean, know. you know, whatever the case, I hope it keeps you alive. Okay, yeah. well, great. We've been talking about beef today. And uh, just one thing I wanted to add here when we talk about beef, that we talk about the utility of it. 95% of a beef animal is used, 40, only 45 for meat, but the rest goes into leather and china and glue and film and soap and pharmaceuticals and insulin and gelatins and all things that we need and want to have in this society. So we just want to kind of end on that note, have you think about that when you make your considerations and your thoughts. Eric, thanks so much for coming today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And I'd just like to add one thing on there. Um, we we actually, because of our animals, are we raise them and come from our ranch. We actually save uh, the pericardium around the the the, the heart, yeah. and they go to replacement heart valves for humans. We're one of the few oh, companies in the world that that do that, and um, so it's it, it's it's such a, a an amazing. Um, you know, thing, and I've I've gotten connected pe- with people that it saved their lives, and it's nothing more touching than that. Of course, it is so, amazing. To thanks. your point, mm-hmm. Don, that uh, there there's a lot of uses Great. for for these beautiful animals. So, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thanks thank for you, being Eric. here. And you've been on the front burner. I'm Don Williamson, and I'm Elaine Ortizoni. Thanks so much. And we'll be back to talk to you soon. 